back with our favorite subreddit, Pro Revenge. Let's hear some shit. Military Revenge, Served Hot. Story by Bakatari. Back in my army days, I was once in command of a unit of about 80 soldiers in Hawaii. Dialogue sections are the gist of what was said but it's been a minute so they're not exact. Names changed, etc. TLDR, the soldier wants out of the army. Commander agrees, pending good behavior. The soldier fucks around and ends up in the brig before getting kicked out. Most of the soldiers in my command were great people, happy to do their jobs and take home a paycheck. Hard workers, creative, adaptable to unusual army conditions, and generally reliable. But there was one who was in trouble from the start. Gentle reader, meet Private Wiggles. My first awareness of Wiggles came two or three days after I'd taken over command of the unit. We're prepping for a month-long training exercise in Thailand and Platoon Sergeant Maggie tells me Wiggles might not be able to go as she just had an outpatient medical procedure. Departure is about a week away and I have to validate the personnel roster to make sure we've got logistical support for everyone we're bringing, transportation, food, lodging, etc., so I talk directly with Wiggles and ask if she's okay to travel and participate in the exercise. Wiggles says it's not a problem, she can handle it. We get to Thailand and set up camp on a Thai army base. Two days in, and the medical section sends a runner to find me. Wiggles is at our medical clinic, tents with cots and surprisingly extensive medical supplies, laid out with extreme abdominal pain. I cruise over to the clinic tent and the physician assistant, PA, on duty tells me a couple of things. Wiggles acknowledged recently having an abortion, the previously mentioned outpatient medical procedure, and the PA's examination and testing shows that Wiggles has the single worst case of pelvic inflammatory disease, PID, he's ever seen. Seriously, this army PA who has seen all sorts of crazy shit from soldiers was emphatically impressed by how bad it was. Wiggles developed PID from failing to get treatment for sexually transmitted infections for a long, long, long time. As in, she's almost glowing from it. No judgment on the abortion, not everyone is ready for kids, and the STI-induced PID can be treated with high-dose antibiotics, which the PA has on hand. Not a problem, we've got this covered. Wiggles is released to Sergeant, Sergeant, Deb, her section sergeant, who will make sure Wiggles takes her antibiotics and keep an eye on her for any further issues. Sergeant Deb finds me and first sergeant, Sergeant, Bob about a day later and tells me two more things about Wiggles, she's refusing to take her antibiotics, and she wants to get out of the army. I again talk with Wiggles, me, so you want out of the army? You know you have a couple of years left on your contract, right? Wiggles, I know, but I'm just done being a soldier and I want to be out of the army. Me, okay, I can make that happen. If you don't want to be here, then I don't want you here either. But here's the deal, you gotta play by the rules. I can get you out with an honorable discharge, and I'll start the paperwork as soon as we're back in Hawaii, but you need to take your antibiotics, do your job, and be where you're supposed to be. You do your part and I'll do my part for you. Sound good? Wiggles, yep, I can do that. Spoiler alert, she couldn't do that. For the rest of the Thailand exercise, Sergeant Deb had to take control of Wiggles' meds and force her to take them, when she could actually find Wiggles, who consistently found someplace else to be. At one point in the next week or so, she accuses First Sergeant Bob of having sex with her, easily disproven as he doesn't have any STIs and Wiggles has all of them. She was just trying to stir up trouble with wild accusations, I guess. We get back to Hawaii and I start the process to get her out of the army because as much as she's been a handful of trouble in Thailand, I'm thinking it's still easier at this point to kick her to the curb than it is to keep her around and punish her before kicking her out. I was wrong. Even as I start to work on her discharge, 
she ramps up my stupidity. Here are a few examples. Wiggles gets caught drinking, only 19 years old. Wiggles and her husband lie to the on-base housing office and provide forged authorization documents to get into rent-free on-base housing that they didn't qualify for. Side note, Mr. Wiggles was no winner either, he was about to be dishonorably discharged from his infantry unit for selling drugs to other soldiers. Wiggles shows up at the infirmary to get treatment for facial bruising, Mr. Wiggles kicked her in the face, while wearing his combat boots, when Wiggles accused him of cheating on her. Wiggles refused to show up for work, or any unit formation, and can't be found anywhere for days. Wiggles slashes all four tires on Mr. Wiggles' car, then attacks him with a knife when he confronts her. Military police are called, and end up taking him in when Wiggles gives a sob story. But he's the one with defensive wounds on his hands, not her. One of my male sergeants uses my open-door policy to visit me one day, tells me he saw Wiggles stripping at one of the skankier gentlemen's clubs down in Honolulu the night before, and she had also convinced one of our other female soldiers to come along with her to do the same. Here's a weird one, I get a call from a temp agency asking me if it's okay for Wiggles to continue working, through them, as an administrative assistant for clients in town. Not uncommon for soldiers to have a second job, but with everything else she was up to at the time, this one just had me going WTF? There's more, but you get the idea. At this point, Wiggles' actions are egregious enough that I can no longer just kick her out with an honorable discharge. I put her on notice that she was at risk for a court-martial. I thought that threat might keep her in line but she just couldn't seem to stop herself from getting stupider and stupider. It's the old 80-20 problem, 80% of your time is spent dealing with the 20% of your folks who are troublemakers. At this point, I'm wasting a not insignificant amount of time dealing with Wiggles' issues almost daily. I had genuinely and in good faith offered her the easy path, but I guess she figured she'd try to burn the place down on the way out since she apparently thought she was getting what she wanted no matter what she did. I was reminded of what my old platoon sergeant used to say when I was coming up through the ranks, you wanna get stupid? Go ahead, but I can get stupider. Cue the revenge. She's causing me daily headaches so I'm going to bring the pain back to her. Honorable discharge paperwork is out the window, and I lean into the special court-martial process instead. My legal counsel tells me that Wiggles' activities are likely to get her a couple of weeks confinement at most, maybe not even that, she may get a monetary fine, and she'll probably get another than honorable, O-T-H, discharge, potential for a bad conduct discharge, which is worse, but while her actions have been not that good they also are not that bad. I'm rational enough to understand that. I have a brief chat with Captain, CPT, Morgan, Wiggles' military defense attorney, about where I'm going with this case. During our chat, I try to be a gentleman and let him know that Wiggles is going to be trouble for him if he's not careful. He gives me a condescending this isn't my first rodeo, Baca. I'm a big boy and can take care of myself. Fair enough, I tried to warn you. Normally, a soldier getting a special court-martial for piddly shit might get confined to the barracks, restricted to their on-base quarters, or something similar for the duration of the process. It's not like she killed someone, right? However, my military legal counsel drops this little gem in my ear. He tells me Wiggles has met all five of the conditions, danger to others, flight risk, etc., required by military law, Uniform Code of Military Justice, UCMJ, to warrant requesting confinement prior to her trial. He tells me if you can remember these five conditions and elaborate on the details at our next pre-trial meeting with the military magistrate, you might be able to get her confined to the Navy brig at Ford Island until the trial. I'm a guy who likes to pay attention to sound legal advice, so I do just as he says. A couple of days later we go in for the pre-trial meeting and I run down the list for the magistrate. Boom. Magistrate orders Wiggles to be confined in the brig through the trial. 
First Sergeant Bob and Platoon Sergeant Maggie go to pick her up from her on-base housing. She won't open the door, but they know she's inside because they can clearly hear her and Mr. Wiggles banging away. This is important for later. The Wiggles finish up, she takes her time getting showered and dressed, and finally comes to the door when it pleases her. Off she goes to the brig. The pre-trial processes take up the next four weeks. During that time, I have to deal with CPT Morgan, the paralegals in his office, and various fun things to do with her pending court-martial. Other than that, it's blissfully peaceful. Wiggles chills in the brig for four weeks, seriously chills. Every time I had to visit it was freezing in there. I'm required to make weekly welfare visits to see if she's being mistreated, if she has any needs that aren't being met, etc. seems weird, but as her commander, I'm still responsible to make sure the brig staff isn't mistreating my soldier. Other goings-on in this time period. Mr. Wiggles fraudulently applies for a car loan and gets a van in their name. Mr. Wiggles is dishonorably discharged and kicked off the island. Flies home to wherever the hell he originally enlisted from. CPT Morgan asks me to consider an OTH discharge and time served in lieu of taking things all the way to trial. I'm hot to get that pound of flesh from her, but my legal counsel advises me to avoid the court-martial and just kick out Wiggles with the OTH discharge. After all, he says she's already been locked up for almost three weeks so the magistrate will probably just give her time served in the OTH anyway. See my earlier comment about sound legal advice. My boss, Lt. Col. LTC, Ryan thinks I'm too invested in the case, and that I'm no longer objective. LTC Ryan insists on coming with me to the brig for the next welfare visit. This is three weeks into Wiggles' stay in those luxurious accommodations. Among other bullshit lines she throws at us, Wiggles tells us she needs to see the dentist about a filling that's giving her trouble, and Motrin just isn't working. At the end of the visit, LTC Ryan tells the guards about Wiggles' filling, asks if they can give her anything stronger than Motrin, then instructs them to follow up with the dentist. Guard actually laughs out loud at this and says no sir, Motrin is the best we can do in the brig. And that other thing? For the last two weeks, she's been telling anyone with ears that she wants to try getting her wisdom teeth pulled before she's kicked out. She doesn't have a problem with any fillings. It was hilarious to watch LTC Ryan's face go from obvious concern for Wiggles' well-being to outright fury, and the next words out of his mouth were that bitch lied to me. I make arrangements with CPT Morgan to accept his request for time served and OTH in lieu of court-martial. Sometime later that week I get a call from Brig. Wiggles is pregnant, remember the scene at her house four weeks prior? And they can't keep her confined anymore because of it. She has to be released back to her unit until the court-martial, or other actions, are complete. CPT Morgan stakes his reputation on Wiggles being a good girl until we can send her back home to Carolina. He'll come to regret that, and he can't say I didn't warn him. We get Wiggles back from her four-week all-inclusive stay in the brig. I've accepted Captain Morgan's request to avoid the court-martial and I confine Wiggles to the barracks under supervision for the nine days she has left until her flight to Carolina. Immediately we have another shit show. Wiggles is smoking in the barracks, not a big deal that she's smoking, it's just not allowed inside barracks rooms. Wiggles is caught with a bottle of hypnotic, liquor, in her barracks room, she's still only 19. Wiggles slips out of the barracks and runs off for a day when her platoon sergeant gets distracted from supervising her. 1 SG Bob and Lt. LT, Ricky, the executive officer, go to collect Wiggles' belongings from her on-base housing so we can box them up and ship them to her home, and they find that Mr. Wiggles has left behind a bunch of stuff he stole from other soldiers, body armor, military equipment, and some ammunition, smoke grenades, and explosives that he stole during trips to the range. All lined up right inside the front door where it's impossible to miss. 
They call me, asking what to do. Me, just collect it all, return the equipment to the central issue facility and dump the ammo and explosives in the nearest amnesty box. Mr. Wiggles obviously meant for Wiggles to take the fall for having it, husband of the year. If we take that bait Wiggles will be here forever. I don't want that, do you? LT Ricky, nope, I don't want that either. It'll be like it never happened. In light of all this drama, I bring Wiggles into my office to remind her of her agreement to be a good girl till she leaves the island, with LT Ricky as a witness in the office to protect my ass. Me, Wiggles, you're in violation of your release agreement from the brig. You've been sneaking out of the barracks, you've been smoking and drinking. Wiggles, she cuts me off, yeah, and doing all kinds of drugs too, heavy sarcastic voice. Me, be that as it may, I'm giving you fair warning that you're at risk of losing the deal I made with CPT Morgan. Additionally, you're pregnant again. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but most damage to a fetus from alcohol and smoking will come in the first few weeks after conception. I don't know if you're planning to keep this one or not, but at the rate, you're going this baby's going to be born dumber than you. Wiggles. Gaping like a damn fish. Finally picks her jaw up off the floor. Wiggles then bolts from my office and runs down to LTC Ryan's office at the other end of the building to squeal on me for insulting her, LT Ricky hot on her heels. She tries to rush into LTC Ryan's office, but LT Ricky gets in first and fills him in. LT Ricky tells me later how it went down, Wiggles is yelling about how I called her stupid, strangely vanilla thing to focus on considering everything she's done, but you do you, and that she's being mistreated. LTC Ryan yells at his admin to get CPT Morgan on the phone. Now. He reams CPT Morgan for his client's jackassery, tells him to fucking fix this, and makes various threats to CPT Morgan's career. About a half hour later I get a call from CPT Morgan. CPT Morgan, Baca, 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 yes, he did that whole patronizing bullshit, I can't believe the words I'm hearing from Wiggles. I'm shocked, just shocked, that you would use language like that and call her names. Side note, my mom is an attorney, and I grew up with tales from the courthouse about lawyers using exactly this sort of hyperbole, your honor, I'm shocked, appalled, and dismayed that opposing counsel would attempt to paint my client in such a light. It's the kind of bullshit they said when they didn't have a good argument. So as soon as I hear the word shocked I know I own him and immediately cut in. Me. And I bet you're appalled and dismayed, too. CPT Morgan, stumbling and sounding slightly confused, well, yes, of course, I am. You can't talk to soldiers like that. I know of a lieutenant colonel, a commander, who called one of her soldiers stupid and she's no longer in command now. Me, I didn't call her stupid. I informed her of basic biological facts. Not my problem if she takes the news poorly. And arguably, she's not all that smart. Anyway, you called me and I'm pretty sure it wasn't to warn me about what I said to Wiggles, so what do you want? CPT Morgan, what will it take to prevent you from kicking back our deal? Apparently, LTC Ryan had cinched his asshole up good and tight. Me, you could get her on a plane tomorrow. CPT Morgan, how about if I get her out of here by Friday? It was Wednesday, and she was due to fly out the following Wednesday. Me, I don't think you can manage that, but good on you if you do. To his credit, CPT Morgan gets Wiggles a flight for Sunday, three days early. I print up official orders appointing LT Ricky as a military escort specifically for her. LT Ricky drives her to the airport and the airline desk agent calls me to verify his status when they get to the check-in counter. They give him a special pass to get through security with her. He stays with her at the gate to make sure she gets on, and stays on, the plane, 
then stays at the gate until the plane is in the air. Some boogers are hard to flick, we wanted to make damn sure this one landed someplace else. About a month later I get a call from the military police about a derelict van in the parking lot with all four tires slashed. Guess who that belonged to? It's really kinda sad when I look back on it. I had two other soldiers come to me at different points asking to get out of the army ahead of their contracts. One just didn't want to be in the army anymore, and the other did want to stay in the army but had family issues that would be a lot easier to deal with as a civilian. They played by the rules and I got both of them out with honorable discharges and all the benefits. They even qualified for unemployment. Too easy. Wiggles could have had the same treatment, I told her exactly what I could do for her, then had to shift gears and told her exactly what I was going to do to her, then I did it. I could have been her best friend on her way out the door but instead, I ended up owning her and her dumbass defense attorney. She screwed herself out of transition benefits and access to the VA and picked up a lifelong black mark for employment, all because she couldn't play nice for a few weeks. She decided she wanted to play fuck around games, and we all know what happens next. I'll come back so long as Larry isn't there, story by Redditmindum87. Background To give you some background on my friend Tim, made up name, he has been programming since he was like 7 years old. Tim said by the time he got to college he breezed through most of his comp sci classes because a lot of the content they were covering he had already mastered years prior. Tim is an excellent programmer. Tim's career has been quite successful, he's worked for Google, Facebook, Amazon, and finally a hedge fund. The story starts at the hedge fund. Tim works a lot with AI technology, and at this hedge fund, he was the lead programmer manager who spearheaded an effort to optimize their AI that helped them complete literally millions of trades a day. To say his work had a massive impact, was an understatement. All of this is going on with COVID-19 in the background. Due to COVID-19, they went to a work-from-home model. Where my friend Tim kept working. During the work-from-home, Tim was looking around his fancy $4,500 NYC apartment and wished for things like a yard, a heated pool, a nice three-car garage, and not living in a high-rise. It dawned on Tim that he could leave NYC. Tim moves to Michigan. So Tim moved back to his hometown in Michigan, where he bought himself a really nice home with a heated pool, a three-car garage, and a nice yard, and guess what the yard had in it? A mother-in-love suite which was essentially a two-bedroom, one-bath second home on the property of his main home which he turned into his man cave. It's actually pretty sick. Oh yeah, and his mortgage payment was far less than his 4.5k a month rent. Like half. Tim spent the rest of his COVID-19 work from home pounding out projects, etc., he never actually informed his employer on an official basis he moved, he just kept working. Then COVID-19 ended. COVID-19 is finally over, back to the office, or? Tim's boss, Larry calls him up and goes alright Tim on Monday we are starting work back at the office and Tim goes yay, about that, I moved to Michigan Larry is shocked and goes you didn't even ask if you could do that? And Tim basically said I didn't know I needed your permission to move in a sarcastic as fuck way. Larry insists that Tim needs to move back to NYC, or he won't have a place on the team. Tim says he's been doing the exact same work from home at a high level for the past year, he's willing to travel to NYC for a few meetings a year on his own dime, but he feels his quality of life is so much higher outside of NYC he has no desire to live in NYC, to which Larry said if Tim doesn't have any desire to live in NYC then he has no desire to keep Tim employed. Now dear Reddit, what do you think a talented senior programmer with over a decade of experience, who specializes in AI technology is going say to a response like that. If you think he quit, you'd be absolutely right he quit. Maintaining complex code can be hard. 
Now anyone that has done any programming knows that sometimes the best person to maintain the code is the person who wrote the code. There's logic, there's thought processes, and there's so much that goes into programming that can be so individualistic it can be hard for someone to take over a code base they didn't write. John, CEO, enters the picture. Six weeks go by when John calls Tim. John is the CEO of the hedge fund. John gets Tim to agree to consider coming back, so that's when John suggests they fly Tim to NYC and he sits down with John. Tim however flipped the switch and said no, how about you fly out to Michigan and we discuss this. Tim said he said that because he wanted to establish if he was going come back, it was going be him, working for Michigan, and if he was going talk about his employment it was going be done in Michigan. John agreed, and two days later flew out to meet with Tim. Tim sits down and John says they really need him because he provided a lot of value to the organization and the programming team is struggling. John offers Tim the opportunity to come back with a 20% pay cut, since he won't be living in NYC and John called that a cost of living adjustment. To which John said no, I want a 15% raise above what I was earning. John sits back and responds the reason we pay what we pay is that we ask you to live in NYC and we understand that's an expensive city to live in to which Tim says you pay what you pay, and you pay it because I'm worth it. If I wasn't worth what you pay, you wouldn't be paying me, now my first condition is if you want me back it'll be a 15% raise. John goes in second? The second condition is I'll come back so long as Larry isn't there. John sighs you asking for too much to which Tim goes you don't need to bring me back if you don't want to, I'll be fine elsewhere John goes I'll talk to the partners, Tim says my offer is good till Friday John goes what do you mean? Tim says next Monday is when I'm going start looking for work, this offer is good until Friday, it was Tuesday, John leaves. That Thursday the phone rang, it's John. In conclusion. Tim, we are transferring Larry to a different fund, he won't be working with you anymore and we are fine with giving you a 15% raise, can we send you an offer letter for you to sign? Tim said, of course, and Larry is really gone? John goes yes, you will never need to interact with Larry ever again. That was at the start of this year, Tim hasn't been in NYC, hasn't heard from Larry, hasn't seen Larry in any communications, etc. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Pro Revenge. Hope you enjoyed.